It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello and welcome to the Court Case Podcast with me, your host, James Court. And Sweet Tea. We have got a great show for you today. We are well in the thick of 2022 now and we've got some classic Florida man stories for you. We're going to be talking about the escape from Alcatraz in 1962 and whether we think the inmates survived or not, as well as some great juicy Courting with James stories provided to us from the We Shouldn't Do This Again Instagram account. All of that, it's all coming right after this. Hello there, I'm David Tennant, and you're listening to The Court Case Podcast. So, Sweet Tea, I want to kick off the episode with some cool, exciting news for The Court Case Podcast. You know what I'm going to say, don't you? I do, yeah. I made a post about it. We were sent a list from a website called Feedspot, which is a blogging site, I believe. Um, the best 30 court podcasts. And we have been ranked number 17. Which is so cool, considering mm. we've not been on anything like that before. And yeah. to be fair, like, yeah, court's in the title, but we actually don't really talk that much court stuff. We had that one episode with Jeff- Jeffrey Deskovic, yeah, and then some other odd stories where it might be related to court, but I wouldn't class us as a court. I'm holding you in contempt of court. Court is a fucking surprise. No, like court, I mean, pro. our marketing is very court, and we we do try and put our verdict on stories but yeah i mean not... courting maybe like relationship wise yeah. but not like actual judge court i think it's more we're in there on technicality oh but... i think it's still cool whether <laughs> it's, it's true it's whether it's true cool. or not it's still bloody cool mm. yeah i agree number one uh the number one podcast i just figured we would uh shout them out was a podcast called court junkie um, so their thing is imagine being wrongfully convicted for a crime you didn't commit or imagine your child's killer is still on the loose even though there's enough evidence for an arrest I want to help shine light on the injustices of our judicial system I delve into court documents attend trials and interview those close to the case to help me tell their stories that sounds like that's good, so interesting I already like that's the sound like quite of that. a good podcast they? we they should do... drop them a message and be like yo try and get Je- Jeffrey on because He's literally up your street. He has got to have already been on there. Yeah, we'll have to have a look. He must have done it. Have a look. He does two episodes a month, and he's got like 12.9 thousand like, tweets or something. Wow. So he's, he's done a lot. Those are the only uh, statistics I they have. From, yeah, I don't know why. court junkie here. But we're well, number I'll say 17. three tweets, which I don't know if that's three followers or know, three but tweets, but I'm, we definitely have more of both. We don't tweet much anymore. We stick more to the Instagram. Yeah, and I'm really not a fan of Twitter, so I don't use it at all, and James barely goes on it. I think it's because of, especially for podcasts, I just don't think it's a good platform to at the beginning. stuff. At the beginning, I went on um, Twitter a lot, and there was a lot of people, like, for some reason, because we're obviously classed as, like, a business account, and the word podcast is in our name. So on my on the feed, there was a lot of people asking for podcast recommendations. Yeah. So I would always, like, comment and be like, oh, listen to us because, and, like, give them, like, a, a reason why. Um, and I did that for, like, weeks and weeks and weeks, and I got a few replies mm. um, sometimes, but I don't know if it did made any difference. And I kind of just gave up in the end because it was just so much effort copy and pasting this reply to, like, thousands of tweets. Yeah, well, the other podcast that I do, the Search for the Soulful Leader, we've basically given up on Twitter as well. Yeah. It just seems to be It's not where it's at now, is it? Not for podcasting, no. For uh, left-wing opinions, it's right the sweet <laughs> right spot. Right up their street. But everyone else, nah, not really. Yeah. It's not. It's not for them. 
But uh, that's fine. We'll stick to the podcast medium. We have a great time on there and we get ranked number 17th. So that's pretty damn good, guys. You're listening to the 17th best court podcast. We should get it to number one by the end of the year. We should knock Court Junkie off his little high horse. Yeah, we're after you, Court Junkie. We are. We are. So speaking of court-related stories... I figured we would go back to, you know, one of the types of stories that made us popular and we would uh, talk about a nice... <laughs> popular is a bit of a, an <laughs> overshoot, I think. Ah, we've got like 3,500 listeners. Yeah, I don't know if it's from these stories, but they're but, fantastic. Yeah, so Florida man, Florida stories, that's what we want. Is it a Florida man or a Florida woman? Doesn't matter. They're all doing weird stuff over there. Yeah, like literally, I'm not even being funny. If you just search up like Florida news... You're just reading the headlines. You'll be like, what the fuck is happening? Like this one, case in point. Florida man breaks into Florida woman's home to pet the family cat. Like, (laughs) not really a big crime, but very, very strange. He's been arrested because he came back a second time. (laughs) He just loves a cat. I know. A St. Petersburg, Florida mother said she is grateful she wasn't harmed when a man broke into her home on November 20th around 3.30am and began petting her cat. It's a very strange time to want to pet a cat. Mm, Yeah, 3.30am. Well, he probably thought that no one else was going to be petting the cat at that time. True. Perfect time to break in and pet it. Brittany Klein said she was in a dead sleep when a cat jumped off the bed and woke her up. When I opened my eyes, I could see the shadow of a man standing at the end of my bed, Klein said. He was standing perfectly still. I said hello, and when I said hello, he dropped very slowly down to the ground. As soon as I saw the shadow move down to the ground, I knew somebody was there. Klein grabbed her phone and turned on the light to see a man crouched at the foot of her bed, petting her cat. The man panicked, of course, she said. I said, what are you doing? Get out of my house. And he looked at me very calmly and said, hey, turned around, walked back to my doorway. From (laughs) there, Klein said he disappeared into the night. Little did she know, the man who St. Petersburg police arrested on Wednesday morning was her neighbour. Jasper Fiorenza was charged with burglary. Klein said detectives were able to pull a fingerprint off her bedroom door. It's very fortunate I had the baby gate in the doorway, Klein said. That's where they pulled the print from, so he had to put his hand on the doorframe to climb over the baby gate. The 24-year-old Fiorenza was arrested for simple battery and grand theft in 2014, so his fingerprints were in the police database. Fiorenza lives with his father, street over from Klein's home. Klein says on Wednesday, undercover detectives tracked Fiorenza from his dad's home, trying to break into other homes in the neighbourhood, including hers and Klein says he was doing it at the same time he broke into her home less than two weeks earlier right interesting that's so random the scare that's the scariest thing had my cat not jumped off the bed and woken me up would have I woken up with a man on top of me in the middle of the night I hope he goes to prison for a long time so he could have done worse than pet the cat could have done much worse but Mm. he didn't do much worse yes and people have done much worse but I'm not going to lie, if you woke up in the middle of the night and your cat jumps off you, like making a noise or whatever, and you see some shadow at the end of your bed, mm. terrifying. Yeah, I know. Not a fan. Just to give you guys um, another sort of idea of what sort of Florida man stories you could find, simply by typing the words Florida man into um, Reddit, Google or Reddit. Florida man wears fuck the police t-shirt to court, wins case against police. We've got, uh, you stupid bitch, grown Florida man allegedly punched 16-year-old girl who accidentally cut him off in traffic. My God. (laughs) Florida man calls 911 when McDonald's gets his order wrong and says he has cocaine in his butt. Is this the same Florida man (laughs) is what I want to know? Can you imagine if it was? Like, he's just going around, like, pranking everyone. Or, like, there's, like like, a group of them, like, you go and do this today, you go and do that, and we're all, like... In, you know convene and say how it went <laughs> yeah we're gonna make a headline so you know? florida man gets kicked off plane for wearing panties on his face right so he's wearing women underwear on his face Very strange. Off. but there was an update to his story where it said florida man who was kicked off a united airlines flight over wearing a red thong on his face instead of a face mask compared himself to civil rights pioneer rosa parks so you know the um um, back in the civil rights days, the uh, black woman that refused to give up her seat on the bus. 
oh. to the uh, white people that would sit there. That's the, the historic was... pioneer of a woman. And he compared himself to being How? picked off a flame for wearing underwear oh on his God, face. Oh, my God. They're deluded, aren't they? <laughs> That's so great. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. We were out with uh, dinner with a friend the other day and James told me the story of the Alcatraz escape. Yes, yeah. And I didn't know anything about it. So we're just going to touch on it on the podcast and see if anybody else knew about it. And if not, then we can all discuss it and learn. Yes, I'm sure everyone has heard of the Alcatraz prison. And you might have heard possibly that, you know, there was an escape from Alcatraz prison at some point or something. But it is an extremely interesting tale. It's, you know, it's something court casey. So this is something we can discuss because obviously there was a manhunt. There was an escape from a prison. Yeah, it was, it's it's amazing. And there's a conspiracy theory. There's lots of theories on whether the inmates survived or not, whether they were still alive to this day or to very recently because it was a while ago. And uh, I wanted to go through it with you, T, and our audience, and I want to I want to get your take on it. So let me get the story up. Here it is. So I thought we would start. So it happened in 1962. Mm-hmm. So Alcatraz is a prison that is on the coast of San Francisco, and it was a little. It's a little island that's swimming distance away from San Francisco that there was there was a prison on. It's closed now, but you can do tours. You can do historic yeah. tours. We might post like a photo of it to promote the good idea as well. Very good idea, and Alcatraz. This escape is well covered when you do like the tours of Alcatraz and things like that. So it was four inmates did the escape. Only three managed to escape, though. And they were Frank Morris, two brothers, John and Clancy Anglin, and a man called Alan West. Now, I thought I'd just go through the inmates first. So the first one, who was thought of as the mastermind of the oldest of the escape, was called Franklin uh, Frank Lee Morris. And he spent a lot of his childhood in foster homes. He was convicted of his first criminal offence at 13 years old. Oh, my God. And by his late teens, had been arrested for crimes ranging from narcotics possession to armed robbery. He spent most of his early years in jail serving lunch to prisoners. Later, he was arrested for grand larceny in Miami Beach. Now, we don't think we have larceny in the UK. I think larceny is like armed robbery, I think. Oh, okay. I think that's what grand larceny is. Just another word for it. Yeah, I believe so. 
Morris reportedly ranked in the top 2% of the general population in intelligence as measured by IQ testing. He had an IQ of 133. So he served time in Florida and Georgia, then escaped from the Louisiana State Penitentiary while serving 10 years for bank robbery. He was recaptured a year later while committing a burglary and sent to Alcatraz on January 20th, 1960. Oh my god, so only two years later did he try to escape. So he's escaped from two prisons at this point, which is amazing. So then there were two brothers. (laughs) Which is really great that this prisoner's escaped. Yeah, Yeah, so cool, James. (laughs) I do think it's incredible that he's managed to escape from two prisons. Yeah, no, that is, it is like... Obviously that bit's not good. The bit that he's a criminal is not good. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So John and Clarence Anglin, two brothers, are the next two inmates. The Anglin brothers, John William and Clarence, Uh, Born into a family of 13 in Georgia. Uh, Their family were farmers in tomato fields. Clarence was the first caught breaking into a service station when he was 14 years old. The brothers began robbing banks and other establishments as a team in the early 1950s, usually targeting businesses that were closed to ensure that no one got injured. Well, that's. I, guess I mean, that's... I guess there's some sort of thought there. Yeah. <laughs> they claimed that they used a weapon only once during a bank heist, a toy gun. In 1958, John Clarence and Alfred Anglin, so a third brother, robbed the Columbia Savings Bank building in Columbia, Alabama. All received 35-year sentences, which they served at Florida State Penitentiary and then Atlanta Prison. After repeated attempts to escape from Atlanta facility, John and Clarence were transferred to Alcatraz. John on October 24th, 1960, and Clarence on January 10th, 1961. So there were three brothers, but only two ended up going to Alcatraz. And there was a bit of a difference. One was in October, and the next one wasn't until January the January following the next year. next year, yeah. Wow. And the final member of the Alcatraz escape was a man called Alan West, who was born in New York City. He has um, the same birth date as you. December 21st. No, that was his death date. He oh. died December oh. 21st, 1971. Oh. <laughs> yeah, but fair enough. I'll remember that next birthday. I'll be like, RIP Alan West. So he was arrested 20 times throughout his lifetime. He was in prison for car theft in 1955. Also went from Atlanta Penitentiary to Florida State Prison. So all of these prisoners seem to have had this... Seem to have commuted. <laughs> gone from Atlanta, Florida, yeah. Alcatraz. Yeah. After an escape attempt from the Florida facility, he was transferred to Alcatraz in 1957... At the age of 28. So it's so, so ironic. So they moved them from somewhere that they escaped to somewhere that they don't think that they can escape, yeah. but they escaped. Yeah. Alleged, allegedly. So here is the run. Here is the story of the escape. So the four inmates all knew each other from previous arc incarcerations in Florida and Georgia, which obviously we've just yeah. talked about. When they were assigned adjacent cells in December 1961, they began... Does form- adjacent mean next door to each other? Yeah, so basically either next door or opposite each other down the same sort of right. row. They began formulating an escape plan under the leadership of Morris, so Frank, the guy with the biggest IQ. We must have been through this 50 times already. And we'll go through it another 50 if that's what it takes. Over the subsequent six months, they widened the ventilation ducts beneath their sinks using discarded saw blades found on the prison grounds, metal spoons from the metal, and an electric drill improvised from the motor of a vacuum cleaner. That must have been so much hard work. That is smart, though. I I remember seeing someone on, on, on Reddit, like a prison guard, say that... It really shows that if you need, if you have the will and you want to get something oh, done, yeah. you will make something out oh, of something. Oh, yeah. Like a spoon and he's managed to like break a wall. He made a drill out of a vacuum cleaner. That's crazy. Engine. Yeah, it's mad. Wow. So the men concealed their work with painted cardboard and masked the noise with Morris's accordion on top of the ambient dim of the music hour. See, they thought of it all. They mm. thought of it all. So they got one of them to play an instrument while the other guy was using the drill. Oh, my God. <laughs> I guess we got a tune to work to, fellas. So fantastic. And they must have passed the drill between each other in yeah. the cells to amazing. Once the holes were wide enough to pass through, the man, the men accessed the unguard utility corridor directly behind their cells and climbed to the vacant top level of the cell block where they set up a workshop here using over 50 raincoats, among other stolen donated materials. Boys in the laundry stashed the parts. They constructed life preservers based on a design one of them found in a magazine. They also assembled a 6 by 14 foot rubber raft, the seams carefully stitched by hand and sealed with heat from nearby steam pipes. 
Paddles were improvised from scrap wood and screws. Finally, they climbed a ventilation shaft to the roof and removed the rivets holding a large fan in place to get access to, to the roof. Oh my God. So they managed to make life preservers, so life jackets and a raft mm. out of 50 raincoats. That's crazy, isn't mm. it? They thought of it all. Yep. The men concealed their absence while working outside their cells and after the escape itself by sculpting dummy heads from a homemade paper mache-like mixture of soap, toothpaste, concrete dust and toilet paper and giving them a realistic appearance with paint from the maintenance shop and hair from the barbershop floor with towels and clothing piled under the blankets so, in their bunks. Sorry, do you think that they nicked that stuff or they asked for it? Probably nicked it. I mean, the stuff on the barbershop floor, yeah, they could have nicked. No one would have oh, missed Oh, yeah, but I mean, like the hair. paint and stuff. Like, if you, if they can't, how it's, it just I would feels assume, like a, a massive pot of paint. Like, how would that? I would assume they would have the prisoners do jobs. One of them be painting. Yeah, I And they probably so. stole a bit of the paint. Yeah, true to paint it with towels and clothing piled under the blankets in their bunks and the dummy heads positioned on the pillows they appeared to be sleeping so the escape happened on june the 11th 1962 so cast your mind back then that's quite a long time ago now we're talking 60 years no frank, 70 years frank was only in there for like a year and a half Over there. as well i aim to get off this rock because he get, went in in that january He's a smart man. He went straight in. He was like, I'm getting I'm sorting out this out. plan. Yeah, 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 yeah. And plus, like, what is also crazy is he they trusted. They all trusted each other that no one was going to dob on them. Yeah. Well, I assumed that the brothers obviously trusted each oh, other. Oh, yeah. But, I mean, they didn't come up with the plan. It was Frank. Mm. So, they trusted Frank that wasn't going to dob on them and vice versa. Yeah. It must have been the fact that they knew each other from previous yeah, prison visits. Yeah, I think that That helped. they were confident to... Mm. To trust each other. So on the night of June the 11th, 1962, with all preparations in place, the men initiated their plan. 9.30, lights out. God begins his rounds. West discovered that the cement he had used to reinforce crumbling concrete around his vent had hardened, narrowing the opening and fixing the grill in place. By the time he managed to remove the grill and rewrite in the hole, the others had left without him. Oh, he returned no. to his cell and went to sleep. You've been in the joint too long, Al. You've forgotten how to get shit done. Now, the thing is with that is I don't think that would, would have been out of... They probably didn't leave Oh, they probably him. didn't know. Yeah, one, yeah. either they didn't know or they didn't have a choice. They had a short time when yeah, they yeah, did yeah. this and they had to leave West behind. Yeah. So that's why Alan West, one, wasn't arrested because he was already in prison. And two, um, why he didn't escape because his hole shrank. Didn't go to plan. Yeah. So from the service corridor, Morris and the Angus. <laughs> I love how I was like, oh, no, they left him to escape prison. <laughs> like, <laughs> no, that's not a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> From the service corridor, Morris and the Anglins climbed the ventilation shaft to the roof. Guards heard a loud crash as they broke out of the shaft, but nothing further was heard and the source of the noise was not investigated. Why? That's a bit silly. Yeah. Hauling the gear with them, they descended 50 feet to the ground by sliding down a kitchen vent pipe, then climbed two 12-foot barbed wire perimeter fences oh. at the northeast shoreline near the power plant, a blind spot in the prison's network of searchlights and gun towers. They inflated their raft with a concertina stolen from another inmate and modified to serve as a bellows. How the bloody hell did they manage to nick a raft? No, they made it, remember? They made it out of 50 raincoats. Okay, also, okay, reworded. How the fuck did they make a raft out of 50 raincoats? Well, it said that they sewed it and then they used the heat from nearby steam pipes to, like, heat seal. That's so... Like, how do they think of that stuff? He's, he's clever, old Frank. Yeah. Old Frankie. Oh, you better be right about this, Weasel. Come on, hurry it up! So at some time after 10pm, investigators estimated, they boarded the raft, launched it and departed toward their objective, Angel Island, two miles to the north. So do you think they know this information because of Alan West? Or yes. do you think, because obviously they haven't been found, so how do they definitely know that all of that stuff? Um, it would have been from him. Alan West fully complied with the police during the investigation, which we will get to in right. a moment. But that is basically how they know all of this. I was going to say, because that wouldn't make sense if they knew mm. that. So, the escape was not discovered until the morning of June 12th due to the successful dummy head ruse, which, if you visit Alcatraz, they have the dummy heads there. They've got them still. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See. The ones that they made mm. to, 
distract the guards, yeah. Multiple military and law enforcement agencies conducted an extensive air, sea and land search over the next 10 days. On June 14th, a Coast Guard cutter picked up a paddle floating about 200 yards off the southern shore of Angel Island. On the same day and in the same general location, workers on another boat found a wallet wrapped in plastic, complete with names, addresses and photos of the Anglin's friends and relatives. I didn't think you allowed your wallet on you when you were in prison. It sounds like he had made a wallet. It said it was a found a wallet wrapped in plastic. Oh, maybe, no, well, maybe. like a wallet wrapped so wrapped in plastic so it doesn't get wet. That's what yeah. I would assume. I guess maybe he was allowed it because it didn't have anything except photos of loved ones. True, I guess so. Yeah. So that might be why he was allowed it in prison. Yeah. On June 21st, sheds or shreds of raincoat material believed to be remnants of the raft were found on the beach not far from the Golden Gate Bridge. The following day, a prison boat picked up a deflated life jacket made from the same material off Alcatraz Island. According to the final FBI, FBI report, no other physical evidence was ever found. During that search. I don't know if they found any more later. Yeah. FBI agents surmised early on that the men had drowned. They cited the fact that the individual's personal effects were the only belongings they had and the men would have drowned before leaving them behind. I don't know if that's true. But where's their bodies then if they drowned, you know? No human remains were found at the time and, in (laughs) fact, have been found ever. On July 17th, a month after the escape, a Norwegian ship spotted a body floating in the ocean 15 nautical miles from the Golden Gate Bridge. The ship did not retrieve the body. What? Well, it, was, it, wasn't, a, it wasn't like a police thing. Oh, like it was like a massive ship? Yeah. Oh, okay, fair enough. But surely you would still call somebody to go and investigate it? I think they did. But... Sorry, I'm like... I might be skipping what yeah, you were no, going to say. Fine. Ask your question. I'm getting passionate. It's good to have an inquisitive mind. The ship did not retrieve the body and did not report the sighting until October. What the Yet fuck? They, found, they noticed the body in July. That's so bizarre. That hinders the investigation somewhat. Just a bit. But San Francisco County Coroner Henry Turkle cast doubt on speculation that it could have been one of the escapees, emphasising the improbability that a body would still be floating on the surface of the ocean after more than a month which he has got a point True, there. very Something true, would have actually. That off. Instead, Turkle proposed that the corpse may have been that of Cecil Herman, a 34-year-old unemployed baker who had jumped from the Golden Gate Bridge five days earlier. Ah, right. So, most likely him. Several commoners... Still, from... it's not very nice that they decided to just, you know, go past it and not say anything. And, I, and then October. they woke up in October and said, oh, shit. We saw that body in July. I should probably say something about that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh so bizarre. Yeah. So the FBI investigators announced their official position that while it was theoretically possible for the men to have reached Danger Island, the odds of their having survived the turbulent currents and frigid waters of the bay were negligible. They're dead. All right, can I go now? According to the final FBI report, West said that they had planned to steal clothes and a car upon reaching land, but no such thefts were reported in the immediate area. Well, I disagree with the FBI... And I want to, and there is going to be stuff that I'll go into here where I think that there were thefts and there were things stolen in the immediate area. And I do think they escaped. And not only that, I think they lived quite a long life afterwards. Yeah, I personally, if they haven't found any bodies or anything like that, and to be fair, they seem very smart. I hi- like. I feel like they would have thought about it all. Like, I highly doubt they would have gone through all that effort, made a raft, made like an exit, and then they drown i don't know know what i mean like i just i don't think that would have happened i don't know how he would have done it whether it be using the radio or something but i feel like frank morris would have taken the weather into account when he was planning his escape oh 100 i i think he would have if he He would have thought of it all wouldn't he yeah i personally think the fbi at the time were probably saying that they probably drowned because they didn't want the negligence to go they didn't want to be like oh yeah someone can escape Alcatraz what are we going to do about that now as well as promote other prisoners to do the same yeah no I agree so West was the only conspirator not to participate in the actual escape obviously he went back to bed yeah 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 he fully cooperated with the investigation and was therefore not charged for his role crazy so there you go but he was then transferred to Washington when Alcatraz was deactivated in 1963 so only a year after the escape was when they so that Alcatraz. makes sense then they just didn't they so they obviously deemed it as unsafe and mm-hmm. very escapable so, but they didn't want to admit that so they just shut it they yep. just shut the prison yeah absolutely. crazy 
so he did to after and he finished his sentence after serving his sentence he was released in 1967 only to be arrested again in florida the following year on charges of grand larceny so west liked himself a prison cell just when they thought i was out they pull me back in yeah basically what i find crazy as well is um like those people that if they so if they did escape let's say and they lived a long life so the brothers and the and uh frank hmm. they would be absolute idiots to commit another crime yeah do you know what i mean mm-hmm. so hopefully they've kind of taken it as like we've escaped we're out let's just you know be yeah. good and be low-key for the rest of our lives mm-hmm. so to finish off west story for us in this he when he was at florida state prison he fatally stabbed another inmate in Jesus. 1972 in what may have been a racially motivated incident he was serving multiple sentences including life imprisonment on the murder conviction when he died in 1978 on my birthday <laughs> so what did he die of did it say um it said acute peritonitis which i don't know what oh, that is no idea you can normally on this website you can normally like click on it and find yeah, out yeah it's an inflammation of the peritoneum the lining on the inner wall of the abdomen so oh, abdominal sounds, infection that sounds very painful yeah that's the end of west story so we've got three inmates left the three that actually escaped yeah the two brothers and frank mm. so because alcatraz cost more to operate than other prisons that's why they said it was closed in March 1963. <laughs> nice excuse. Yep. You also, James also told me something quite cool as well, is that the inmates, they ate really well there and they had hot showers because um, they wanted they didn't want them to get used to the cold showers like they do in other, like other prisons have cold showers. They didn't want them to get yeah. used to that because obviously the sea was cold. So people like Frank and the brothers were probably very... Um, not used to the cold water because they have hot showers and which I thought was very clever of like to think of stuff like that and also with food as well because they didn't have much room on the ship to deliver like the foods and the goods for the prison everybody ate the same so all the um prison guards and everything like that and the inmates they all ate the same so they ate really well as well yeah which is really interesting because obviously i bet a lot of prisoners a lot of prisoners in different prisons wanted to go to this prison yeah they did yeah prisoners actually wanted to transfer to alcatraz funnily enough the fbi closed its file on december 31st 1979 after a 17-year investigation. Their official finding was that the prisoners most likely drowned in the cold water of the bay while attempting to reach Angel Island. Which I don't agree so with. So they just ruled it as that and left it closed, like closed mm. the case. Yeah, but Mad. the US Marshal still has an active warrant out for the arrest. So, but the warrant will expire on 2030 when all of the missing men would be at least 100 years old. Oh, okay. So the FBI have closed their investigation, but the uh, the US Marshal Service still has a warrant out for their so arrest. So if they're all at least 100 in 2030, and it's now 2022, hmm. they're probably around 27, 28? No, not 20, sorry. 27, 28, that's not what I meant. I meant um, <laughs> 93, Yeah, probably around that age. Yeah. Um, yeah that's crazy in um so we're going to get to the reported sightings now so they have escaped the prison at this point and in january 1965 the fbi investigated a rumor that clarence anglin so one of the brothers was living in brazil agents were dispatched to south america but found no direct evidence that he was there you've got to think in these instances how thorough was their investigation? Brazil is a fuck off big country. Yeah. You know, how thorough was their investigation? You know, that sort of thing. A man called the Bureau in 1967, claiming to have been Morris's classmate and to have known him for 30 years. He said that he had bumped into him in Maryland and described him as having a small beard and moustache, but refused to give further details. So we're getting dribs and drabs of people here. Now, the things with the family members, particularly of the Anglin brothers, is what brings a lot of my reasoning into why i think they're still alive into oh, okay this. you don't think about family the family members of the Angian brothers occasionally received postcards and messages over the years most were unsigned one was signed jerry and another jerry and joe the family also produced a christmas card purportedly received in the family mailbox in 1962 saying to mother from john merry christmas another of the anglin's 11 siblings robert also said that sometimes the phone would ring and all that could be heard was breathing on the other end. 
Robert said, I suppose all that could have been pranks, but maybe it was my brother's. The mother of the Anglin brothers received flowers anonymously every Mother's Day until her death in 1973, and two very tall, unusual women in heavy makeup were reported to have attended her funeral. Whoa. Federal officials say that in the mid to late 1960s and into the 1970s, there were six or seven sightings reported of the Anglin brothers all in North Florida or Georgia. Robert said that in 1989, when the father of the Anglin brothers died, two strangers in beards showed up at the funeral home. According to Robert, they stood in front of the casket looking at the body a few minutes. They wept, then they walked out. My God, who else would it be? Like that yeah. makes so much sense. That's crazy. Also, if they're like still like around America, like they haven't gone to another country, like they're still in um, states around America, hmm. like they're getting away with it. Like yeah. they're literally like walking proper off grid the ground, and like no one's really coming after them. They've just kind of you know left them to do these kind of things, and it's crazy that they were getting away with that. Two tall women in really heavy yeah, makeup. Surely someone would like go up to them and ask them, like, oh, what's your relation to them? Yeah. Like, it's bizarre. It's very, very strange. But that, so, that seems very mm. believable to me. Like, I, I completely agree. Yeah. Yeah. In 1989, a woman who identified herself only as Kathy called Unsolved Mysteries to uh, tip line to report that a photo of Clarence Anglin matched the description of a man who lived on a farm near Mariana, Florida. Another woman also recognised the photo of Clarence Anglin and said he lived near Mariana. She correctly identified his eye colour, height and other physical features. Another witness claimed that a sketch of Frank Morris bore a striking resemblance to a man she had seen in the same area. Oh my God. So those are people in Florida as well. So the funeral so, stuff all happened in Florida. Yeah. And these two people in the same town. Um, so they just decided to stay around Florida area or like happily go back to Florida area. People Apparently. are tipping them off and still no one went after them. To be fair, for them anyway, Florida is the complete other side of America to San Francisco. So, I mean, they've fled, still fled quite a fair way. But then again... Yeah, but if people are tipping them off, surely they'll go and investigate it. Yeah, no, that's right. And also, well, to be fair, they also spent time in Florida State Penitentiary, so they're not far from places they've been before. Exactly. Weird. Yeah. Weird. So, here's an, in- here's an interesting one. A day after the escape, a man claiming to be John Anglin called a lawyer in San Francisco to arrange a meeting with the US Marshal's office. When McGowan refused, the caller terminated the phone. Why would he want to have a meeting with them then? I assume that he want he wanted a lawyer to I don't know to maybe bribe or sort of some pardon or something like that. I don't know. Interesting. But they said John called a lawyer where after they had escaped. That's but, very strange. It's yeah. like they're almost like trying to rub it in mm. and like they're enjoying it. You yeah. know. Yeah. Robert Chechi, a San Francisco police officer, said that at 1am on the morning of June 12th, he saw an illegal boat in the bay near Alcatraz. A few minutes later, the boat left, heading under the Golden Gate Bridge. This led to speculation that the prisoners might have enlisted outside Confederates to pick them up. Maybe. Maybe. Sorted out. Might be a bit far-fetched. Could you do your phone calls or something, maybe, Alcatraz, and they could have sorted out uh, someone to come pick them up. Very true. I like how that got brought up like so much later, like after. Like, how would you even mm. have recollection of that, you know? Someone did a deathbed confession about the escape. Who? A man named John Leroy Kelly dictated an extended deathbed confession to his nurse in 1993. Kelly claimed that he and a partner picked up Morris and the Anglins in a boat and transported them to the Seattle, Washington area. Later, under the guise of transporting them to Canada, Kelly and his partner murdered the escapees to get the £40,000 their families had collected for them. So this man in his deathbed claimed that he murdered Morris and the Anglins to get £40,000 from their families. What? So that's an interesting other thing, but is that is that true or not? Maybe. And now here's another here's another one for the escape is that Mythbusters tested the feasibility of the escape and they said that it was possible. <laughs> mm. Yeah, obvi- I feel like it's 100% possible like they did escape mm. whether they died after or whatever. It, they 100% escaped. Like This is the one. You know, earlier I said that the FBI said that there were no thefts or 
things yeah. of cars or anything afterwards. Yeah. So they did it in 2011. They did a documentary on National Geographic entitled Vanished from Alcatraz. And they reported that contrary to the official FBI report, a raft was discovered on Angel Island on June 12th, the day after the escape, with footprints leading away from it. Furthermore, a 1955 blue Chevrolet was reported stolen in Marin County the same day, a claim corroborated by, by stories in the Times and the San Francisco Examiner. The following day, a motorist in California, 80 miles east of San Francisco, reported to the California Highway Patrol that he had been forced off the road by three men in a blue Chevrolet. Oh my god, that's crazy that they tried to, that they originally tried to hide that information. So they found a raft, they found footprints away from it, they found a car stolen, and, and somebody else a witnessed man it in uh, the California was held up by three men in the same car. Yeah, that's crazy. That makes so much sense that, like, that happened. They obviously escaped. Yeah. I'm sorry, FBI. And they lived there <laughs> and they lived a, a, a fun life or yeah. whatever. Like, they still managed to attend their father's and mother's funeral mm-hmm. and speak to their family and give their mother flowers. And I don't know, who knows where they were living and what they were up to. They probably didn't have a job or anything, yeah. but... I find some of these stories in this bit are very interesting. See, that's the thing as well. Like, so if they escaped, obviously they they wouldn't have gotten a job because that would have no. been really ridiculous. So then, how would they have actually have lived? Like, I guess they might have been able to fake change their names. I was and what get I'm thinking. Small jobs like on a farm. or That's something. what I'm thinking. Like, change their appearance a bit, get mm. different names because there's no way they would have been able to live with zero income, and they couldn't exactly um, do some more burg- burglary because. Then they'll get arrested again. If they went to a different continent, which I do believe they spent a lot of time in South America after this, mm. uh, I think it would be much easier to get a job. Yeah, and, not and everyone stuff. knew about them. Mm. Yeah. Someone said here, the same year, an 89-year-old man named Bud Morris, who claimed he was a cousin of Frank, said that on eight or nine occasions prior to the escape, he delivered envelopes of money to Alcatraz guards, presumably as bribes. He further claimed to have met his cousin face-to-face in the San Diego park shortly after the escape. His daughter, who was eight or nine years old at the time, said she was present at the meeting with Dad's friend Frank, but had no idea about the escape. Interesting. Yeah. See, these ev- these pieces of evidence, yeah, we can't prove that they're true, but they're so black and white, mm. and like they were doing nothing about them. They weren't investigating them. Yeah. Here's something interesting that scientists did a study on the uh, on the ocean currents around Alcatraz mm. and they concluded that if the prisoners left Alcatraz at 11:30 p.m. which was around the time that they did leave they could have made it to Horseshoe Bray just north of Gorfin Gate Bridge and that any debris would have floated in the direction of Angel Island which is consistent with where the paddle and the belongings were found oh my god mm. you crazy son of a bitch you did it's crazy yeah. So they did more talks, more evidence gathered with the Anglin family as well. I think this is the main big bulk of uh, evidence we've got left here. So the Anglin family displayed Christmas cards containing the Anglin's handwriting and allegedly received by family members for three years after the escape. While the handwriting was verified as the Anglin's, none of the envelopes contained a postmarked stamp, so experts could not determine when they had been delivered. The family cited a story from family friend Fred, who grew up with the brothers and claimed to recognise them in Rio de Janeiro in 1975, so in Brazil. They moved on to Brazil, wow. Mm. They produced photographs purportedly taken by Brizzy, including one of two men. I know, Fred Brizzy, his name is. Uh Who, according to Brizzy, were John and Clarence Anglin standing next to a large termite mound. Other photos showed a Brazilian farm that Brizzy claimed was owned by the men. So they did own and work on a farm, it seems, in Brazil. Right, okay. That answers my question, then Mm -hmm. that makes sense now. Forensic experts working for the family confirmed that the photos were taken in 1975 and asserted that the two men were more than likely the Anglins, although the age and condition of the photo and the fact that both men were wearing sunglasses hindered efforts to make a definitive determination. Oh my God. So they literally just got away with this and they managed to Mm. just do whatever they wanted and no one was coming after them. Yeah. Oh, my God. Mm. And uh, someone, a retired U.S. Marshal who had once headed the investigation, said that Brizzy's photograph of the two men was absolutely the best actionable leave we'd had. It could it could still all be a nice story, which isn't true, uh, that they died, you know. 
Yeah. But there, where's the thing that I found? Here we go. In January 2020, so January last year, an Irish creative agency and AI specialists used facial recognition techniques to conclude that the men in the photo were John and Clarence Anglin. So, like, they would have run it through the system to see if that's what they... Yeah, so they like. would have gone old photos of John and Clarence. They would have used AI to study this photo that they've got of them in 1975, and they would have concluded that these this was John, this was John and Clarence. Wow! So That's shut so up, interesting. FBI. Yeah. Mm. So Robert Anglin reportedly told family members before his death in 2010 that he had been in contact with John and Clarence from 1963 until around 1987. Surviving family members who said they have heard nothing since Robert lost contact with the brothers announced plans to travel to Brazil to conduct a personal search. But Roderick cautioned they could be arrested by Brazilian authorities because the Alcatraz escape remains an open Interpol case. And also this was mad. I remember this coming out in the news two years ago. The FBI confirmed the existence of a letter in 2018, so bloody years and years after this escape, Mm. allegedly written by John Anglin and received by the police department in 2013. So John Anglin apparently wrote them a letter in 2013. The writer asserted that Frank Morris died in 2008 and was buried in Alexandria under a different name and Clarence Anglin died in 2011. His purpose in writing the letter, he said, was to negotiate his surrender in exchange for medical treatment of his cancer. Whoa. Which, fair enough, I think 2008 and 2011 are very believable years that those two could have died. Because mm. they were they were grown men in 1962, so that's quite a long time. Mm-hmm. They would have been in their 70s and 80s, and so well, yeah, you... we just we just figured out that this year they would be around 94. Yeah. So in 2018, they probably would have been about 90, mm. which is you know a really good age. Yeah. So they got this letter in 2013, and um, so obviously he, which obviously medical treatment costs money in America doesn't it yeah so he was obviously saying i'll have one year in prison you pay for my medical treatment Damn. and obviously they said he no. was desperate and they, they they must have thought something of the letter to not release it until 2018 which i reckon they were probably waiting until possibly well after he's died yeah so the because the, they probably read it and they thought he's got cancer he's going to die soon like i i think the fbi proper covered this up well badly i don't know but. why though like I Surely think... they would. They they're on the side of wanting to them to be arrested. Like I don't get why they would like because them hiding it is them protecting them. Reputation's sake, I think. But that's stupid. Like people have committed a crime and they rather them their reputation. Like why can't they just be like, hold my hands up? They've you know they're smart. They got out. We're mm. we're gonna obviously close Alcatraz now and make sure that all prisons are more secure. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I reckon I reckon maybe, obviously I've got no knowledge, I'm not a member of the FBI, I reckon they probably did some sort of um, judgment call on whether they deemed them a threat now that they'd escaped. Yeah, oh, obviously, they, judged, they would have studied it hard. I think they would have judged that because it would have, you know, they want to stay escaped, they weren't, and then I think they closed the investigation and said they'd died. Yeah, like I said, like they would be an idiot to commit another crime. Mm -hmm. And the only crime by the sounds of it that they committed was nicking that car. It's the the car. That is what sold it to me is they escaped. The fact that there's someone in a completely other state that had the same car with three men in it and was held up. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's weird, isn't it? And and the stuff about that. It would make such a great movie. Yeah, they they need to make that into a movie. The stuff about the two women at the funeral. Mental. Right, Mental. we've said it here first. We own rights to the movie. I'm joking. <laughs> yeah. That wouldn't work. Yeah. That wouldn't work because somebody's no. probably already... They might be filming it right now. We don't mm. know. Um. <laughs> yeah, but what do you guys think? Do you guys think they really escaped from Alcatraz prison? I would love to know what your guys' thoughts are. Do you think they died? Do you think they drowned? Some people might have... Uh, uh, what I also find interesting is when we like talk about these stories, is some people, like they tell us other information yeah. that they, they have that we you know didn't find and i just find that really cool like if they have other facts on the old knowledge of this like mm. please let us know awesome we're gonna end the podcast i think with one courting with james story provided provided from the we shouldn't do this again podcast no no time for the jingle we'll just whack it in straight i think 
Yeah. So this is under failed relationships. They had someone write in. So I think it's more of a story than asking for advice, but we could still talk about it, I think. So they said, a few years ago, I matched with this man on Hinge. The date was so perfect that if I saw it in a movie scene, I would have rolled my eyes. It was January and we went to a cosy wine bar. I remembered he was wearing this cute green sweater and we sat by the window. It started snowing. So just envision an extremely handsome man in a sweater, snowflakes falling and twinkle lights everywhere. And then he starts asking about you. I was completely charmed. Oh, of course you was. Ain't that cute? Of course you was. We go to a second bar across the street and it feels like we have so much to talk about. When the bill comes, it's attached to a postcard. He pays the bill, writes something down and hands me the postcard. He says, it's addressed to me so you can write me a note. How smooth is that move? Wow. Pretty smooth. On the walk home, it felt like nature was pushing us closer together. <laughs> the sidewalks are slippery, so we had to hold on to each other. The snow was piling up so, and he lived uptown. I invited him to stay the night. I'm lovesick for the next few days. I'm so excited. I text him and send the postcard. Anyways, he ghosted. <gasps> no fucking way. <laughs> That's horrible. Can you imagine this man, like this handsome Lothario. He knows. Man, I think he knows what he's doing. He he knows like giving the tricks girls the trade. well why you know romantic dates Night. and then just ditching. Oh my god, he's getting like a kick out of it. I imagine he does it to a lot of girls. Like he just goes out there and like makes them feel so special and in Disneyland, and then yeah, yeah. he's not going to hear from them again. I completely agree. Oh my god, that's savage. I hope she's all right, but I hate all men. <laughs> Surprised you didn't add that at the end. Yeah, that well, that would be the end. That would be the closing quote. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So court case, we don't like men. There you go. <laughs> Join us next episode. Yeah, on that night for more amazing stories. <laughs> if you've got anything that you want us to talk about, if you've got any relationship advice or interesting stories, then please message us at court case podcast on Instagram or email us courtcasepodcast at gmail dot com. Thanks, guys. See you soon. Bye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.